0: Hi, this is ESI Ferdinand, and you're listening to Invalid Opinion, a show where I talk about what caught my eye this week in pop culture, locally and internationally. This week, I'm going to talk about the works of two most prominent female directors out there, Sofia Coppola and Jane Campion. I'll talk about Coppola's Lost in Translation, and also Campion's Top of the Lake. And to close the show, I'll give you my last recommendations, things that I think you should get a glimpse to. So, stay tuned. Now, this episode is a bit of a tribute uh, after Sofia Coppola... Uh, became the second woman to win the Best Director category in Cannes. Her movie, The Beguiled, is a triumph, as I've read, in this year's Cannes. But because it hasn't been released yet, I want to talk about the most prominent work of Sofia Coppola, which is... The loss in Translation. Uh, Lost in Translation is, I think, one of the best example of Sofia Coppola's work. Uh Not just because it was one of the earlier works of Sofia Coppola, but also because it was one of her most acclaimed work, and to me, one of the best Sofia Coppola movies out there. Um <clears throat> Lost in Translation is a story about an aging actor, Bob, and a college graduate, Charlotte, who bonded in Tokyo, a town, or in a country, Japan, that they have no one with, and they did not speak the language, and it was interesting to see how they befriend each other and keep each other company in a country and a town that are so foreign for them um this is sophia as i said most prominent work uh in translation won the oscars for original screenplay in 2004 making the coppolas as the second family with three generations winner of oscars one is francis and then roman and then her and the other family is the houston family um this to me is a very meaningful movie for myself. Of course, uh, the first time I've watched *The Lost in Translation* is back when I was in high school. I did not care about this movie at all because I think it's boring and it's so slow. And I did not have, I did not have something relatable to the project and. I watched it again for this podcast uh, last week on my train ride to Jogja, which I think is soothing because I've, I'm going to a place where I know nothing about. First of all, I don't have a family in there. I have a family outside the city, but not in Jogja. I was solo traveling in a sense. So I was alone and... I get this movie when I watch this. I even tear it up in some of the scenes, but in some ways I get it. Uh, It took me a while to adjust to this movie because this movie is so quiet, yet at the same time speaks a lot about this character's mundane life in a city that they barely know about. Um, We get a glimpse of their daily life in Tokyo. Uh, Charlotte finds her time with uh, that I think also makes her uh, more developed as a human being after seeing more cultural places in Japan, their temples, historical buildings. There's one scene who, was very, who is, again, very quiet, where Charlotte is going to one of these, I think it was a palace, and then there's a Kabuki woman just walking with kimono and being escorted by... Uh, Men in Yukata and they're walking as Sims, and they're walking as Sims, they are uh escorting this woman. This, I, I thought this was kind of like this princess, uh, escorting them. And it looks like the princess more is fragile, and Charlotte's just seeing it. Charlotte's becoming the of a voyeur of this situation, and it, I think it. It gives a glimpse of how this character is really just wanted to be someone else. Uh, someone that I think he she hasn't found yet. Uh, and it's the prominent theme of the character, which is like she's just out of college, married with this guy, this photographer, who, who essentially she's accompanying him to Japan for a photo shoot, but... He's going away, and she's left alone in a hotel, and she's finding her herself. Uh, she's just out of college, and she doesn't know what to do. And I think that Japan is a way for her to find who she wanted to be. And in some of the scenes, and in some of the scenes, that I don't think it's it's just a glimpse v- or vignette of her life in Japan without Bob or and without anyone gives that sense of. Finding or, or becoming, which is another theme of some of Coppola's movie. Is I think one of the quotes I've read somewhere else about her movies and asked Coppola uh describing her movie is that my movies is not about being but becoming, and that is what Charlotte is. And I think that's also what Bob is. Bob is finding his japan in some ways through the entertainment industry she is uh paid to be a spokesperson for this uh scotch companies in japan and she is becoming and he's really just having a photo shoot with photographers who cannot speak in English and her translator is basically just simplifying the essence of what he's saying and the photographers are saying and I think that is the most hilarious thing I've seen in a while in a movie that doesn't ha- allow much comedy, broad comedy, I guess. And that is, I think, one of the most funniest thing I've seen in a movie. And also, one, there's one of the scenes were uh, it's called the japanese johnny carson scene in which bob is being interviewed by what essentially is the johnny carson of japanese of the japan which i guess means that he, he is one of the most uh prominent talk show host in the country and it's just so absurd that at the same time really captures with japanese you need to watch this movie and watch that scene I saw that that is the car. it's not it's almost a caricature of what Japanese entertainment industry is but at the same time I think it's a real show it's imitates from a real show and I think Bob is not accustomed to that there's that culture shock moment that is so great that awkwardness <laughs> from Bob and the host and also the translator who needs to translate what's the host saying to me, is, I think, one of the broadest comedy in the movie, because Bill Murray in here is so amazing. I think Bill Murray is known for her his broad comedy in Saturday Night Live, but I think this is one of the most controlled, yet at the same time boldest, uh, performance from Bill Murray, and Bill Murray is one is the muse of the mo- of the movie um sofia coppola has been saying that without Murray, there is no movie because essentially uh she was her muse he was her muse and Sof- uh, even in the speech when uh coppola won for her original screenplay she said that uh every filmmakers needs their muse and Bill Murray was her muse. And without Bill Murray, there's no movie, which I think I get that when watching this movie because his character is so well written, well developed, and has this presence which I think elevates by Bill Murray's um, acting because the ca- this character is really present both of these characters' is real presence, yet at the same time Charlotte and Bob has this distance that cannot be explained yet the same because it's so complex, yet this movie just shown how these people are really not enjoying things and having the distance, again I say it a lot of times distance, that I think really sold the movie to me. Um, again the ending i want to say is i think one of the best ending i've seen in a movie in a, while, a long while uh and it is still one of the best endings in movie ever made uh which is i think i'm not, i'm it's not a spoiler anymore because this movie has been there for almost a decade now not almost a decade more than a decade and ending was bob whispering a parting words with Char- to charlotte was i think Is the most enigmatic experience in a movie I've ever seen. Yet at the same time, it's such an exercise of the power of silence in the cinemas. It shows how not knowing doesn't make you confused as an audience, but it intensifies the scene. It makes you really just, it makes the word not matter what, what, uh, Bob saying to Charlotte doesn't matter anymore but the essence you've seen the essence that there is this declaration of love I guess that we did not need to know and it was Sophia Coppola says that the ones who know the words that Bob but to Charlotte are just the actors which is Wilbur H's, um pretty much uh, improvised the ending and I think that is the best way to do it is not knowing, yet at the same time it becomes it became this sort of grand gesture that we never saw coming yet at the same time we get it and one of the ways to know how the reaction to that that scene is such intense is how much. Ending theories of the movies, like conspiracy theories about what is Bob saying to Charlotte. There's a whole article, there's even a subreddit in reddit about what is Bob saying to Charlotte. One of which, which I think was pretty wild, yet at the same time makes sense, is that Bob is whispering for Charlotte to tell the truth to her husband, because Bob is her husband, Bob is her husband from the future. It's so bizarre yet at the same time so true. I'm gonna link the uh, that uh, conspiracy theory in our further list for the reading list. But you gotta say it because it's so wild. And at the same time, it shows how that ending is perfect, and it makes. It's even more exciting. Sometimes when you watch a movie and they explain the ending in a way they they narrate you to the ending, I guess it makes you feel. I get I, in my experience sometimes it makes you feel stupid as an audience, meaning that the filmmakers sometimes think that as an audience you need to be explained everything yet what I love about this movie is that you don't need to know everything but the same time you get the feeling of it and it makes sense because like any human's experience you can you are not being explained from the get-go the A to Z of our lives as a person and in a movie I think sometimes the characters in order to make it relatable that this character is really living in a movie i think you need that sort of the unknown space that that you don't have to be explain everything as an audience and it's more magical i think because it gives you an interaction with the piece the project the film and makes it like a two-way mirror for saying like this is my story filmmaker can say this is my story at the same time like you can have your own interpretation to it which i think is the way to go for making movie and yeah i guess this is one of the most one of the best sofia coppola movies i've seen and i've seen a lot i've watched the blank ring i've watched uh marie Antoinette, which i think was a very cool interpretation of what marie Antoinette. at the same time there is a conversation that is more of a revisionist because Marie Antoinette has a very bad image, especially for French. And she almost like uh, glorifies uh, uh, Marie Antoinette, but I don't think that is the case. But yeah, and I've watched Somewhere Also recently, which I think it's one one of the quietest movies of Sofia Coppola. I mean, Lost in Translation is quiet, a quiet movie, I guess. But Somewhere is so quiet yet at the same time. it's so m- It gives you a magical feeling to it that you are thrown into this character's life. Uh, but Lost in Translation, to me, is a sample that sum up her movies, which is like, it's stylish, with a hint of sex- sensuality. Not sexuality, sensuality. You can see that from the beginning, the first shot of the movie I think is Charlotte just wearing her panties and her tank tops uh, sleeping uh, which so- serves you that sensuality that Sofia Coppola has so it's stylish with a hint of sensuality that serves as a vehicle for how emotionally complex the story and the characters are and I think you need to watch uh, this movie as an introduction I think for Sofia Coppola's other works which I think If I wanted to list uh, how do you watch Coppola's movie, you would got to watch Lost in Translation first. And then her first short movie, which is Slick the Stars. I think there's somewhere in in YouTube the movie is. I I will link it below in the further reading list again. And then uh, The Virgin Suicides. And then uh, Meryn Tornet. Somewhere and the last one is the Bling Ring, which I think the Bling Ring is one of my least favorite movies of Sofia Coppola. Not my favorite, but it's a great movie also. But yeah, Lost in Translation, you need to watch this movie and really get a sense of how Sofia Coppola gets loneliness and gets bonding and gets and does it over romanticize a bond between two people. So, yeah. Now, the second topic that I want to talk about is a work from Jane Campion. Jane Campion is the first director to win the best director in... Khans the first woman sorry and still the only woman to win a pomodoro for her movie and I guess it's shown and it was like two decades ago almost and it's just shown how we haven't progressed enough when it comes to giving women a representation from women by women in Not just in Hollywood, but in movies in general. And I know that the biggest blockbuster this week was Wonder Woman, which is directed by Patty Jenkins, which I guess is a triumph I guess, uh, for female superheroes, especially f- uh, by female directors. And there's not a lot of female superheroes out there. But yeah, there's a lot of progress of inclusivity when it comes to uh, giving woman representation, and Jane Campion is one of the most prominent women directors out there. Not just women directors, but as a director, she's an author. She's one of the respected directors out there, and I want to talk about Top of the Lake in particular because Jane Campion's this year also set a new historic moment, when she presented a project in the form of a TV series for Cannes this year, which is the season two of Top of the Lake. And it's shown how movies, like, TVs cannot be set aside anymore when it comes to giving you a sort of cinematic experience because there's a lot more prominent work in TV television these days and there's more profound work in television these days and i think television in a sense of giving an episodic uh form which is more uh more of a format that is not what a movie is has its own advantage i guess in some ways it's the duration but of but also because of the duration it has a time to really develop their characters and creating a more substantial, I guess, plot, because we they have the time to deepen the stories, and I think that's what Jane Campion saw in making a TV series because it's more freeing in a sense uh, that movie there's the constructions in movies that are not in TV. And we're entering a golden age of television right now, and I think this series, though it was released in 2013, shows how it was ri- uh, the prestige television is rising, and this is one of the entries from Jane Campion. Season two will be available next September, so I want to talk about the first se- the first season of Top of the Lake. Now, the Top of the Lake was actually first conceived as a limited series. Because, but uh, Jane and Elizabeth Moss, one of the uh, actresses, the lead characters who play the lead characters, really just talk about like what we're going to do. Are there going to be season two? Because there, uh, if there is, what are we going to talk about? And it takes a while for Campion to make the second season, and I guess it's now releasing in. September, so we just have to see. But the first season I want to talk about is essentially uh, Jane Campion's vision towards, not the vision, but almost like a response toward rape culture. Um, The series centers around the disappearance of 12-year-old Tui, who is five months pregnant, She is last seen standing chest deep in freezing lake. And now all attention is focused on inexperienced detective Robin Griffin, played by Elizabeth Moss, who leads the investigation in the same town where she endured traumatic events years earlier. Now, uh, I've only watched three episodes uh, for reviewing this series. So I did not spoil anything and I just want to experience it with you also. But... The first three episodes is really, I think, the best introduction of the series. When I watch the first episode, I cannot help myself to remember about Twin Peaks, which has almost the same theme and has a bit of a resemblance when it comes to plotting. Uh, There's also a girl who's disappeared from a town, and the town is pretty weird. Although, Twin Peaks... uh, found itself in direction which is very Lynchian, a more surrealistic approach of the genre, Jen Campion's approach towards this mystery genre is more of a bleak and or kind of uh, like more darker experience of uh, this uh, mystery of disappearance of a person. In a town now this town is a bit weird there's two events i think who i don't think it correlates as much uh the first one is the disappearance of tui and then there's a group of women commuting to paradise one of the land in the small town which this woman led by i guess we can say as a spiritual leader called gj gj yeah gj Played by the always delightful Holly Hunter. And these events are looking as though as it's like two different events coming to this town. I don't know if there is a correlation in the future episodes. Although, this is a seven episode limited series. And it really just doesn't dwell on its plots a lot, which is strange because if this is a full season, meaning like there is like 10 or 12 episodes, I get if you want to pluck into other characters and really just make the plot, which is finding this girl, as a sidebar. But in the first three hours of the movie, I think almost 70% of the time it's not talking about the... A character tweets missing and people just finding this character but a lot of it's more so is just cherry picking these characters from the town and really just zooming in to them and saw like who are they like why they are really this way one of which is the character played by uh Peter Mullen, which is Matt Mitchum, a Scotsman, and the head of Mitchum family now, I don't think he's a villain in this series, but there is a character whiplash from the first and the second episode in which he is so vilified and he's like the epitome of like macho man who doesn't give a shit about what she wants to do, like she's breaking rules. But in the third episode, there is a bit more vulnerability when it comes to this character, how he has a darker past, and he has a bit of an issue with his mother, and I think that gets me confused a bit. But at the same time, there is that character development who you did not expect, which is such a Jane Campion thing about it. And Elizabeth Moss is sublime, I think, as Robin Griffin. Although I got to say this, I did not think that the character is supposed to be Australian because Moss's uh, accent is a bit on and off. Sometimes there is sometimes there is a a, a, a scene where she talks in pretty much a, uh, like an Australian. Accent, but at the same time, at the first episode, I did not see that. I thought he was, an, she was an American, but then I found out that she is a detective in Sydney, specializing in sexual assault, who are bringing up to this case, in which I did not get that she is Australian, but I guess she is. And this character, I think, has a lot more bleaker underlying issues that we did not see, maybe in the future episodes. Uh, we're going to see the origin story of this character because I guess there is this weird uh, issues in the past with her uh, ex-boyfriend, which is Jono Mitcham, another one who is prominent in the series. And this is what the, the series is, I think... Uh, really great yet that it seems really confusing which is that they gives you a hint of maybe a future plot or a future hint of this series at the same time and they just leave it there and maybe brought back like in hours and hours of the after the movie um which i think is Again, a great thing, yet it's so confusing sometimes. But at the same time, i really intrigue, and it really baits you to watch it more and more. And I want to talk also about G.J., which is the spiritual leader. This character is so interesting, and I want to know more about this character, just because in the first three hours of the movie, oh, sorry, the series, which is the thir- three episodes, she did not have a presence that I thought, I mean, this is Holy Hunter, guys, like, she demands an attention for her but at the same time this character is really just serves as a soundbite for this ridiculous sayings uh, of, uh as what spiritual leader usually portrays but i guess i want to know more about this character because like there's an impatience and about this character that I Did not see in a lot of spiritual leader portrayal in movie or series because she's very imp- impatient, she's really just don't give a fuck with her students. Yet at the same time, I think that's the, uh, the she is an anti antithesis of what spiritual is, which I guess spiritual leader is supposed to be wise and she's not. I guess she's really just using profanity words. Prof- uh, and I like this character, this it's. And it doesn't help that Holy uh, Holy Hunter playing as G.J. is really looking at the resembles of Jane Campion. If you see the photos of Jane Campion, you see that this is a portrayal of maybe how Jane Campion wanted to be uh, portrayed or maybe reflected in this series as G.J. Because there is a resemblance in this character that is so uncanny with Jane Campion which uh, it, it intrigues me in the future what this character serves as uh, to the plot and to the stories. So, and I want to also talk about how this is, this is supposed to be... I thought this is going to be like a bit of a genre movie because it's a mystery movie and there is an element to genre storytelling in, in which this is a mystery sort of thing. So there's always going to be that detective and always going to be like... Uh, uh following the trails of the evidence but at the same time this is a very loose interpretation of the genre because i am invested in how this people in the small town is about and she really took the time to zooming into one of the characters of this of one of every characters in this small town which i think is great at the same time I want to know who did this, who raped this girl, because this girl is pregnant in the age of 12, so there's got to be a very bleaker uh, outcome in this mo- in this uh, series, and I don't think there will be a really great outcome that we always wanted to see in a genre like this, because there's so much doubt that she just threw us, that I don't think we got to have a lot of resolution in the dots that she throw us in. So it it is a really interesting series to watch and a really interesting uh experience of mystery genre that I think you should watch. Although I also recommend you to watch other Jin Cameron's movies, uh one of which is uh The Pianist, sorry, The Piano, which won her The Pomodoro. And then this movie that I really love is Bright Star, uh, in which she talks about the last three years of the life of poet Joan Keats and Fanny Brown. And it's a beautiful movie with really beautiful shots. And also The Piano, I think, is one of the most prominent works of hers. Um in which she talks about a mute piano player and her daughter sat in the mid-19th century in a rainy, modern frontier backwater of the west coast of New Zealand. And She's a New Zealander, so this movie talks a lot about it also. And I want you to watch Jane Campions, just because we did not see a lot of uh, woman directors out there. And it's really interesting to see that there is another perspective of female experience true female director. So you should definitely check her works out. For my last recommendation this week, I only have one recommendation, which is an Instagram account that I discovered while I was in a train ride Going to Jakarta, which the Instagram account is called Cynic Simpson, Cynic underscore Simpson. In the bio, it says it's dedicated to showing the most beautiful scenes, colors, sets, and abstract compositions from The Simpsons from season one to ten. And it is every single post in this uh, account is really just dedicated to really just the most scenic. I guess shots in every Simpson episode, and they are so beautiful. I did not think that Simpson The Simpsons, which is a silly cartoon, have this cynic at the end at the same time, very colorful muted colors um scenes, and yeah, it's just a weirdly cr- weirdly delightful account and instagram so you might want to follow that so that is my last recommendation for this week and that is the end of the show you can check the further reading list for every topic this week on the website www.invalidopinion.id and tell us what you think on our instagram page at invalid.opinion or you can post your thought on Facebook on facebook.com/opinioninvalid. I'll see you guys in the next episode. And please take my word with a grain of salt.